raised. Kind of like if you got a classic car that's old and dilapidated and someone has put it up into the big cruncher yeah. to make it into a cube of scrap. You say, wait, stop, I want that car. Yeah. And you rescue it from the cruncher. Yeah. Is the car ready to drive? Yeah. No, it needs yeah. to be fixed up. It yeah. needs to be sanctified. Mm -hmm. yeah. So salvation is, yeah, you're saved out of the jaws of death. Yeah. And then salvation continues as God makes you into his image. Yeah. And I think people can run the two together mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. Which they kind of do run together. And that saves us and then he sanctifies. Yeah. Us. And so they, the, the running together is having the one box. Right. Um, and, and, and and that's that's the big mistake in that the in which your illustration shows that it's that's just not that's not how it works and so justification is dealing with our our spiritual birth our first believing uh, but just like in life that we don't um, need to go back to the hospital at, at, at which we we're born and be physically born again um, so we don't have to uh, consider the things of justification um, for our own well-being today. We can be thankful that God justified us through our faith. Um, and, and certainly, that's, that's a thing that we're commanded to do. That's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper frequently. We, we look back at our justification and say, you know, just like if you, if you pass the hospital in which you were born, you say, yep, I was born there. Um, my brother and sister were born in a hospital in Columbus that still stands. And every time I pass by there when we're in town, I, I think that's where Mark and Jill were born, you know, right there. And so that, that's, that's appropriate, but I don't live there. It's just, it's a, it's a note in my head and my heart that that was a special thing. Um, but that the case of whether I've been born or not spiritually is not still open because <laughs> here I am and I believe. And I'm in the, in the church here, and so that's just—it's uh, not something we have to go go back to. Yeah, Matthew. This may just be an academic distinction, but you can't have sanctification without justification because sanctification requires the works of the Holy Spirit, correct? Yes. But can you have justification without sanctification? Like the the example of the car being rescued from the crusher. It's saved, it's not going to be crushed now, but could it just sit there? Yeah, is there such a thing as justification without sanctification? And, and the answer is no. Um, the Holy Spirit produces fruit. There's fruit of the Spirit. Even if you take the criminal on the cross who believes in his last hour, so to speak, probably a little bit more than an hour because Jesus died before the, the criminals did, but there's the fruit of repentance in him. You know, he believes. He rebukes the other criminal. And he rebukes, yeah, he believes. And then he says, out of his belief, Jesus, remember me when you come into my, okay, little dig here. Come into my what? Kingdom. King, into your kingdom. Yeah. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then um, he rebukes the other criminal who's still mocking. So that's fruit of the spirit. There's belief there. Um, it's like uh, when my uh, son-in-law was talking to me, Alex, not this one, um, <laughs> was talking to me about coming coming to faith, and he came out of a Catholic background too. He said, I, I, I realized in my life that I had gone from kind of pointedly accusing Christianity of being 
silly or untrue or contradictory. And now, you know, when I'm in those conversations, I'm, you know, defending it automatically. I'm defending it. There's a change that's happened in his heart, a belief that's happened uh, in his heart. And so that's what's, you know, going on. And so that's what we see with the, the criminal on the cross. And so there's this um, um, sanctification, um, even if it's just some initial first acts of sanctification. But um, it's, it's what James gets at in James, especially chapter two, uh, but also in chapter one. In chapter one, he says, the seed of the gospel has been implanted in you. Um, I think that's verse 18. And then he goes on, and that's where he says um, that when we look at the law, it's like looking in the mirror. And, and we don't look at the law and then forget to do the law. But rather, we look at the law and then do it. And then we're blessed as we do it. That's like 19 through 25 there. And so um, James says, if there's, if someone says he has faith, key word there, says he has faith, but there are no works, can that faith save him? See what James is doing. He's saying saving faith produces works. Now, put that synonymously, say the term saving faith produces works. What would we say instead of works? in terms of our boxes here. Saving faith produces what? Sanctification. Sanctification. Yeah. Okay, so so if one has been justified, if one has been born again, sanctification will start happening um, in, in that person's life. Even like with the criminal on the cross, just, just the change of attitude, the change of heart, the change of um, disposition and demeanor toward God above. Um, I, I rightly deserve great punishment and you're not punishing me and you're not going to you know that's a that's a change of sanctification a setting apart uh, of that person okay um yeah Allison. i kind of had an aha moment with the um with the crusher analogy um with the one box you could consider that well god saved us from the crusher mm. But what if we're not good enough and he throws us back in? Well, that's mm -hmm. not considering God's faithfulness to his side of the covenant. Yeah. And to consider that we have any option but to go back. Yeah. Or but not to go back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, is insulting to God and his faithfulness. Yeah. Good. And so uh, just and, and think about with what Allison said here, you know, with um, God being the father and... John, in the beginning of his gospel, John 1.12, some of you know that, that verse there. What's John 1.12 about? What's that say? Yeah, Bill. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Yeah. So, sons of God, children of God, right there. Okay? And so, and, and God is our Father. And Jesus tells us, his disciples say, how should we pray? And he tells them, pray to the Father. Right? Our Father, who is in heaven. Okay, so we pray to the Father through the mediation of Jesus, but we pray to the Father. And um, God is our Father. And if we say God the Father causes us to be born again, which is 1 Peter 1 2, makes us children of God, John 1 12, and then tosses us into the fire, 
right? We're, we're insulting him, as Allison said here. We're insulting him. We're insulting his character. We're saying he's not loving. We're saying he can't take care of his kids. He can't um, protect his kids. Um, he can't bring good things to his kids. He fails as a father. His kids' lives end up in destruction. He failed as a father. Okay. And, and so when you recognize that our justification is tied in and that we can't be justified, a little bit of election here, you can't be justified apart from God initiating and causing you and regenerating you, giving you born, causing you to be born again so that you can, John 3, 3, see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. And so you have eyes to eyes to hear and ears to see, right? <laughs> uh, uh, you have eyes to see and ears to hear. And Jesus says, anyone, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And, and this is deep from Isaiah. Isaiah talks about this all. God is talking to this to Isaiah all the time. And he's saying the people you're ministering to Isaiah, they don't have ears to hear. But you need to proclaim this to them anyway. And they're going to beat you up. <laughs> but I will preserve your life. But they're going to come at you. But if you don't proclaim this because you're scared of them, I'll prove to you whom you should be scared of. <laughs> so you better, you better preach. So Isaiah does, and he winds up uh, uh, with uh, uh, some good persecution on him. But um, so um, uh, that we we. If you say justification can happen apart from regeneration, see, then God the Father is not tied in with your justification. Because regeneration is spiritual birth. You see that there? So if you're an, an extreme Arminian and say that a human being on his own, apart from the help of God, can come to faith in Jesus, then there's no spiritual birth there prior to that and while he or she is making that decision. And so maybe you could make the case there, the person came to faith by himself and so can leave by himself to his own destruction. But instead, Jesus says, John 6, unless the Father draws someone, he cannot come to me. Um, no one comes to the Father unless he's drawn, or no one comes to me unless the Father draws him to me. Um, and so justification and saving faith, justification and what comes with saving faith, justification. So are, are, all that is tied together. And so when one is justified, it's because he has been born again. He's been, now think of your family, physical birth. You're born into the family. You've had a mother and a father who have initiated that for you nine months ago, and there you are. Okay. And so that fits with Scripture, that God, First um, Peter 1 and 2, causes us to be born again. Um, according to Ephesians 1, 4, the election of God before he created anything, before the creation of the world, um, you were elected. Um, and so um, we impugn the loving fatherhood of God if we say someone can lose their salvation. Because then we're saying God lets some of his children perish 
eternally and be punished eternally. And that's not our God. Um, does that make sense? So we're all these different things tie together, right? Justification, sanctification, regeneration, being born again, saving faith, all this stuff. It's all, you know, it's all tied together. Um, so we've been talking about now the Catholic option. And so what we talked about last week, it's a one box. It's a combined justification, sanctification box um, where something you do after your Catholic baptism, which says you've been born again at your Catholic baptism. So the eight, eight day year old or however old the kid is when he's Catholic baptized, the priest announces that the miracle of rebirth has happened and Catholics then put the, the rest on you. Um, and so you can lose your salvation, a Catholic will tell you, uh, at that point, if you totally reject God or commit a mortal sin or something like that, right? Um, so your, your salvation is up to, up to you because there's this combined justification, sanctification uh, box there. Um, so it's justification through sanctification, through your um, work, and purgatory is a place where you um, work off you know, the bad things you've done, earn your way to be good enough to be into heaven instead of purgatory. Because in Catholicism, your justification was not taken care of when you were born again and had your initial saving faith. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and then last thing we mentioned, or second last thing we mentioned last week, one is justified in this, one is justified by believing in Jesus and by doing the commands of Scripture and the other things the Catholic Church commands. Okay. Um, so you have faith in Jesus and law, God's, God's and the Church's commands um, that are part of your sanctification. Um, and there the problem, again, being one, one box. Okay. Any question about this before we go on to the... That's just what we looked at last week. Okay. Is there... Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I'm seeing kind of a connection between the, the... This is now good stuff if you're reading this. This is not a bad option. This is good biblical stuff. Okay, go ahead. Um, between the Catholic view and the... You, you had mentioned several several weeks ago, probably mm -hmm. weeks ago. Um, yeah. About the, I, I don't know if I can forgive myself that kind of attitude. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing kind of a connection there where, like, God's investment in you isn't enough. And it's it, a work. Yeah. And then, and yeah, it's, it's, like, it's including works. If you say, I don't know if God can forgive me, yeah. you're saying, my justification was not determined by the election of God the Father and by Jesus suffering the penalty for all my sins, including this one that I don't know God can forgive, you know, that's on Jesus' body on the cross. And so when you say, I don't know if God can forgive me, you're um, bringing into, you know, you're, you're bringing a work, something you've done that surprised you. I thought I'd never do that. Or I've done this sin so many times. I don't know if God can forgive me. Whatever you're saying you know, you're, you're, what you've done is you've pulled in your sanctification into your justification box. You've pulled in your obeying the commands of God into your justification box because you're saying, God might not be able to forgive me? Okay, that's justification language. Justification is when you're 
forgiven all your sins. Um, okay, so yeah. So I, yeah, so I was thinking with, well, like my friend has a Jeep and she's put a lot of money into various repairs and maintenance and that mm-hmm. has been more than when she had a Corolla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, she calls it a money pit. And um, with this, I'm thinking God doesn't see us as a money pit. Mm-hmm. He sees us as a real investment with work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Okay, so since my mouth is full, yeah, Matthew. <laughs> just, a quick, just a quick question. Um, but there is a distinction between, and there is the possibility of accepting that God forgives everything and still having real problems forgiving yourself, right? Yeah, and to, and to people who have problems forgiving themselves, I as a pastor say, so you're better than Jesus, and your standard is higher than his, and, and it's, a, it's a kind rebuke because it's, I am better than God, and what God says is not true, and I'm not going to believe that. And really, really, I mean that as your pastor. And, and, and if you're, and, and so sensitive conscious, conscience people, and I realize I tend to be not. People with a real sensitive conscience about their sins will struggle with the gospel itself will struggle with justification itself because, uh, and and they'll go back to, but I don't know if I can forgive myself. And I'm saying, get that phrase out of your head. I know you hear it in society a lot. I don't know if I can ever forgive myself. And I'm, I'm not a sensitive conscience, conscience person. So I say, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but, but it is, do you believe all your sins were in Jesus' body on the cross or not? Do you believe all the wrath of God was spilled out upon him or was his death lacking something? And so you've got a choice. Believe what you really believe and what you said you believed when you believed. Saving faith. Um, and, and don't think that it's more spiritual to say, oh, but it's okay to feel like I can't believe I did this. That's okay. You're not questioning your justification at that point you can be surprised that you committed this sin that you never thought you'd commit or that you're still struggling with a certain sin that you thought you'd be over with by now that's okay to be surprised by that but don't question your justification you can say god i can't believe i did this and i didn't think when i believed that this sin was in your body jesus on the cross thank you for taking it on your on yourself and it's okay even to still feel bad that you've done that because perhaps you've hurt people by doing that or perhaps you just feel bad about you know the state of your sanctification um that's okay that's it's good to it's good to say you know what i need to be better at this that's okay um and and to to say next time here what can i do so i don't fall into this temptation with this temptation next time and say, because I don't want to be that guy who does what I just did. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be this, that woman. Um, again, so the spirit works on us with the law. And, and we do have, um, if you want to call it guilt, guilt over sin. But it's not guilt that makes us think we haven't been justified. And it's okay. Some people don't understand justification. 
and but they are and so they're saying things that aren't true and so that's that's our job as their brothers and sisters in christ to say you know that sin that you're really surprised by or that you're really grieved over it's okay to be grieved but i want you to know that was in jesus body on the cross first peter 2 24 and the wrath of god came against it and so um, in terms of your facing Jesus at your death or at his return, no worries there. Uh, but if you feel bad now, that's okay. Use that to for your the good of your sanctification to become more and more good. Yeah, Matthew. Not the yeah about this, um, but... <laughs> Literally. I, I, I think maybe I, I misspoke my question because it seems I'm in agreement, but... A couple of things because I think it's important. There are a lot of people who struggle with, you know, self. You know? Yes. And it's not necessarily tied to academics or theology. But yeah. Actual. Yeah. I don't know, mental issues. Absolutely true. Uh, true. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's easy. You know, Jesus forgave me. I can accept that very easily. He's better than I am. You know, mm -hmm. just like he forgave someone who's committed a sin against me, assuming they're also in the church, mm -hmm. you know, and I have trouble forgiving that person. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess it's just important, I guess, for me to vocalize that, you know, yeah. I, you know, to accept that Jesus forgave me, my sins were in his body on the cross, the ones that I have not yet visited, mm -hmm. you know, they were yeah. there too, yeah. but I can still think I'm a, he's a, a technical clinical term, POS sometimes. Yeah. Um, it it just and I guess it's just more or less me vocalizing something I think is important. Yeah. Not like you know, just because you have trouble for quote forgiving yourself, yeah. which you know is mm -hmm. pop culture, pop yeah. psychology, you know, whatever right. that means, doesn't mean you're questioning your salvation. It's just yeah. you're having trouble with your current state or even the state in which you were. Yeah. Good. And, and so the, the important thing is it's not we're not saying you can't feel guilty or you can't feel bad about your sin. That's that's a um, that's the Holy Spirit working through your conscience with your knowledge of the law of God. You know, you've done wrong. You know, you shouldn't have done it. Uh, almost all the time you had a conscious thought. I shouldn't do this before you did it. You knew there were ways of saying no, even if it was just close your eyes and literally turn around and walk the other way. Um, and, and so that's a normal thing, but what we don't do, because Scripture tells us, is we don't turn that into a questioning my justification, because that's, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 6, it's trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus. It's saying the blood of Jesus wasn't valuable enough or strong enough or didn't cover that sin, or it couldn't. That sin is waterproof, and I beat Jesus' blood on that one. Yeah. Okay, good. So, good, good question, good thought, because a lot of people do str do struggle with that. Yeah, Randy. I got a slightly different question for you. Yeah. Is that the last donut? It's not. But animate this. I really like it. It's over over there. It's good. I took a little. I took a little piece. You know, to be polite. And it was so good that it took a big, cold slice. <laughs> okay, so the good things of justification. Now, this is the good stuff that we really, that we really, uh, that we really believe. 
and that we see in Scripture. And so let's just go down, even though it's uh, funky to do it this way, line by line by line, and we'll we'll start. Davis, can you read just the the title of this box? Justification. Okay, next line, the next word, Mike. Okay, uh, faith. The next uh, asterisk, both lines. Okay, so that's part of justification. You were born spiritually, um, and when you're born spiritually, what happened to your spiritual eyes? They were opened. You could see. Okay, John 3, 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see. But if you're born again, you can see the kingdom of God. And, and you and out of that justification, uh, Titus 3, 5 is another uh, important verse here, that when God renewed us by his spirit, when he regenerated us by his spirit, we believed. Um, and, and that belief means that we're in that John 1, 12 category. We received him and became a child of God. Um, and or in the language of Romans 8 and other places, we were adopted into God's family. It was all God, God always knew he was going to adopt us into his family, but the time has come. And God regenerated you, gave you eyes to see. You saw the kingdom, believed. You were made a child of God, adopted into his, adopted into his family. Okay, so that's all justification stuff because you were born again, you believed, and through that belief, um, the next thing is true. Joyce, next asterisk. Yeah, because you believed, your sins were forgiven. Uh, justified by faith, as Paul says in, in uh, uh, Galatians 3. Um, in other, uh, other places, of course, we can find that. And then our question, Jim. How do we get in? Okay, so how do you get into the justification box? Christina, next line. By faith alone, no works. Okay. And so we had looked at that weeks ago. Um I almost said months ago, maybe that's true. Uh, uh, we looked at that weeks ago. How do you get into the justification box in the first place? It's through faith. So you're outside the justification box, and then you, you get in there so that you're justified um, through, through faith um, and faith alone. And no works. What's a good verse for no works? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and not of yourselves as a gift of God, not as a result of works, Paul says, not as a result of works that no one should boast. Okay, so we're saved through faith, not as a result of works. Yeah, Bill. But the problem with most Christians in dispensational theology is they think it's their own faith. That's what, that's what yeah. I thought all right. those years is my faith, you know, it's God's salvation, but it's my faith. Mm -hmm. And it really points back to me and says that I had eyes to see. I had ears to hear. I was good soil yeah. at the time where the seed sprang up. Yeah. That was me and yeah. my response. And I've been in churches where they actually have a tradition of saying, before they say something they're thankful for, they always say, well, first of all, I'm thankful for my salvation. And I'm also thankful for my mother or something like yeah. that. But it's always my salvation, and it really comes across as though they're saying it's my faith that did it. Yeah, you could mean that both ways, but yeah. with that background, you can see yeah, it's like, yeah. 
it's like, and here's a little trick for you in prayer too. This will help you in your understanding the sovereignty of God. When you pray, try to make God the, when you're thanking God in prayer, try to make God the actor of all things, him the subject of the verb. So instead of saying, and God knows what you mean, but just to, to acknowledge in faith the, the God's sovereignty and his gifting you with the thing you're thankful for. Say, God, thank you for allowing me to be here. God's the actor. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Or God, thank you for healing. Thank you for causing, causing is a big word there, causing Linda's surgery to go well, causing Linda's surgery to be successful. Instead of, thank you for Linda's surgery going well. It gives a little bit, you know what I mean? It, it can give a little bit of just, or thank you that I could do this today. Or thank you that I could do that today. Uh, thank you that I could run this morning. Okay, it almost sounds like, you don't mean it that way, but it almost sounds like, I have this ability, thank you. <laughs> and you don't mean it that way, but but just for your own just training and just more thorough, um, God, this is really a gift. Make God the actor. God, thank you for giving me the ability to run. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to run. Thank you that you give me legs that can move one knee in front of another. Um, uh, thank you for... Um, giving us this child instead of thank you that we have this child see the difference it's not it's not a big offensive thing that kind of thing but it's just a good practice it gives glory to god and where we just say god you did this and thank you that you did this because i like it <laughs> but but same same kind of thing as you're saying bill thank you for my salvation how about Thank you, God, for saving me. I'm the object. God's the actor. If you like grammar, God's the subject. We're the object. If you don't like grammar, just put God first before the verb and you second after the verb. <laughs> but thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for regenerating me. Thank you for giving me your spirit. Um, instead of thank you that I'm saved. Now, we can say thank you that I'm saved with all that in our minds that's good. You saved me. You regenerated me. You gave me eyes to see. And only then did I see and, and, and come to you. You know, you drew me and I came to you, like Jesus said in John 6. Okay. Um, so we get in by faith alone. Um, so there's our verse there. And so, um, Bob, can you read this for us? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Okay, so we're saved not by works, and we're saved through our through our faith. So we get into the justification box through our faith, so into the justification box, so to speak, through our faith, and it's not by works. It's not by so the the commands are not outside the justification box by themselves, with no other box present. And then think think uh, uh, Egyptian slavery. They're not given commands. And God doesn't say to them in Egypt as they're in slavery under Pharaoh, obey these commands and then I'll save you. Then I'll get you in the justification box. Rather, he saves them. And they come out with their idols, 
which Moses tells them they have to put away. And I'm not talking about the golden calf. That's when they made in the wilderness. But they had idols that they brought out from Egypt that he has to tell them, put these away. Um, so he saves them first. Um, and then after that at Sinai, he gives them his law. And so this is what's going on with, with uh, justification, um, that God saves us first. Um, and then... That's the justification box. And we get in through our faith. And then once we have faith, he says, hey, let me show you Sinai. Let me show you how I created you to live. So that you don't have to live in a way that frustrates you and hurts your relationships and hurts you personally in your life, in your work, in your vocation, and all that you're doing. That's been frustrating for you out there. So let me show you how to live now so that you can be as James says in James 1.25, blessed as you do things um, because you're doing the things of, of my law. Does that make sense? And, and that picture that God gives us, that shadow of saved from slavery out of Egypt and then given the law. He gives the law to saved people, not to unsaved people to show them how to live in the promised land, which today is what? The church, when we die, it's what? Yep, so we'll do the law of God in heaven, and when Jesus comes back, what's the promised land? Yeah, the whole thing. And so we'll do the law of God then as well, loving God and loving neighbor perfectly um, in heaven and, and, and in the new heavens and new earth. Um, another... Uh, a verse related to this, backing up this justification, what's true in justification uh, statement here. Uh, Galatians 2.16, Laura. By observing the law, no one will be justified. Okay, there we go. Paul gets at it head on here, doesn't he? By observing the law, no one will be justified. Um, and, and so that it's, that's a no-go there. So we can't include the law in our justification box. It can't be part of it. We've got to do something else with the law. Next, Galatians 3.11. Randy. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law. Okay, so he just repeats it a chapter later. Galatians 3.11. No one, clearly... No one is justified before God by the law. Okay. Um, any questions on that? You see how it's just clearly taught in Scripture. And, and, and the law is, um, you know, we can uh, consider any of the commands that God gives to us. The law, it's just what he says is our king, what he gives to us to obey. Okay. So, but, but again, here, Paul hasn't said the law is bad. What has he said in Galatians 2 and 3 and Ephesians 2? It doesn't justify. It doesn't justify. So Paul is very clear under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The law does not justify. But he also doesn't say in these verses, the law is bad. And he doesn't say you should get rid of the law. So now we're in our sanctification box, and here are things that are true in our sanctification. And so let's just do this the same way. So our box is titled, Bill what? Sanctification. 
And Matthew, uh, can you read our, our the next just the next line? Okay, and Anna, the asterisk there? Christ-likeness. Yeah, so the benefits of our sanctification is Christ-likeness, or the goal of our sanctification is Christ-likeness, being like Christ. That's the goal. You know, it's not just, um, you know, my dad used to tell me, John, don't be different than people because you're wearing a funny coat or have a funny haircut or, you know, something like that. You know, because he knew I had friends that were like that. Just, you know, just be just be weird and be different that way. Distinguish yourself by doing good things, by what you're doing, by how you treat people, those kind of things, by your character. Uh, and, and so this is the, the thing. The goal is to be set apart, but not just by being weird. As my uh, our pastor in Bloomington would say, Christians wear rugby shirts, too. Back when rugby shirts were really popular in the 90s. <laughs> it's like, we can wear rugby shirts. We don't have to be set apart by not wearing rugby shirts. Um, but we're set apart toward Christ's likeness. There's a goal. It's not just be weird in any weird in any direction. It's be different than the world in the direction of displaying Christ's character and what you do and what you say, what your attitude is, what's in your heart toward people, what's in your heart toward God. Be set apart from the world and different from the world in that way. Be like Christ in that way. Okay, and then uh, Andrew, would you read uh, the question right in the middle of this box? How do you get the benefit slash goal? Okay, and so how do we get the benefit or the goal? And Allison, below the arrow there, first line? Law and spirit. Okay, the law, spirit aided. Okay, so how do we become like Christ if we have no law? Anybody's guess. And everybody's going to be different. And we're going to say, I'm not, any, any outside observer would say, I'm not sure what Jesus is like. I can't see any commonalities between these people. But if you have the law calling us to one standard, which reflects the character of God, the character of Jesus, and everybody is getting more and more accurate and practiced toward obeying the law, we're becoming more like Christ in character. Okay, And so the law helps us with that, but we need God's Spirit to help us obey the law. Okay, so, um, and the law is... Um, Mallory, last God's line. God's many, many commands. Okay, so the law is God's many, many commands. Um, and so here's what Paul, so Paul said the law is bad for justification. Ephesians 2, Galatians 2, Galatians 3. Yeah, Christina. Well, I think about uh, justified. And there's a lot of people that say, well, they're not showing fruits of the Spirit, so they must not be believers. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, that is true to a certain degree, but you can't, just because they don't show those fruits doesn't mean they're not a believer. Right. You're supposed to talk for 30 more seconds while I chewed my food. Um, we need to be careful, yes, which is what you're saying. Especially because we as inner Pharisees like to take the things that we have no trouble with that we're not tempted with. Okay, so for me, 
I'm not attracted sexually to guys. And, and so I, and I don't perceive a time where I ever will be. Okay. But for some, that's a temptation, you know, and it's a fallen world and that kind of thing. I have other things that are sin things for me, but it would be easy for me in my inner Pharisee to say, well, this guy is struggling with, he knows homosexuality is wrong. He's not practicing it, but he's still, he's still struggling with that. He must not be a believer. Because I don't struggle with that. You know, so I just, I stack up what I can do with no problem. And I look at the person who struggles with the sin. And I say, well, he's not showing the fruit of the Spirit. But maybe that guy is being much more patient with the people around him than I am. And that's fruit of the Spirit too. So we need to be really wary of that. And, and so like as a session, when we deal with people and have dealt with people through the years and it comes into question whether a person's a believer or not, we don't come to that, we don't get anywhere close to that unless we're talking to people about scripture and certain things and they're like, well, I don't care. And then that, that enters into the question. If the person says, I know, and I keep, I keep doing this, they're struggling. And so we're with them. What can we do to help? And here, here's some things. Sorry, I'm still chewing. Here's some things you can think of or, or think about or, or maybe we can do this or here's a practice or here's a safeguard. Here's a fence you can put in your own life. Okay, if you're struggling with pornography, never go to the computer after 7 p.m. Have your computer screen at home always face the door of someone who's entering. Okay, those, those are things you can put into your life so that... Um, just your, your heart's protected there and your practice is protected. So we help that person, but we don't say that person, well, you must not be a Christian. You're struggling with this. Um, so um, anyway, so good good comment there, Christina. Um, right, the Pharisee comment. Um, I, you know, the Pharisee says, I thank you that you're not like, that I'm not like this guy. And he says, I pay my... You know, I, I, what's he say there? I tied my uh, mint, dill, and cumin, or whatever. I, I may be conflict, or conflating some verses there. Um, but he names the things he does well that, of course, he can do well because he's a Pharisee. He's getting paid to live in the temple, basically. <laughs> not, not live in the temple, but he's there in Jerusalem, and, and that's his life. You know, and it's like, it's like me saying to you guys, you know, well, you know, you guys don't study the scriptures this many, you know, whatever, name the minutes and hours per day. Well, of course you don't. You've got jobs and things you're responsible for. And I don't have a job. I just show up on Sunday and talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm paid, my, my, my day, I'm being paid to study the scriptures. And, and so that's easy for me. It's not easy for but, you know, it's the pathway is much more clear for me than for you guys, because you guys have responsibilities that you should be doing, right? That you That's right and good for you to do, that are, you shouldn't be reading your Bible right now, right? You should be paying attention to the, you know, the, the carnival ride that you're operating or the, the, for, the forklift, you know, that you're currently going forward in. Um, don't read your Bible then. Um, Okay, um, last thing, let's read this verse and we are at time. Um, so Paul has said very clearly, the law is bad for justification. But we held out, right? That he hasn't said the law is bad 
or that we should get rid of the law. And here's the first verse that we'll look at, and then we'll look at more next week. Um, Betsy. So then the law is holy, and, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Ah. He doesn't just say it's holy. He say so that we're not like good people and judges, that we do everything is right in our own eyes. Yeah. People and judges, what caused them so much trouble and oppression in their lives and being run over by foreigners was, was they did what was right in their own eyes. And, and Paul says, but the law is holy. It sets us apart. Okay, so the law is part of our sanctification. See that connection there? The law is holy. It's righteous. What does righteous mean? Uh, faithful to the covenant. Faithful to the covenant. What covenant are you in that you hear about at the Lord's Supper each uh, every other week, Grace. except this week because we had five Sundays in April. Okay. <laughs> what part? What covenant are you in? Grace. Oh. Yes, you're both right. I just want you to say the Lord's Supper words. This it's cup is the new covenant. The new covenant in my blood. So you're in covenant. If you're taking the Lord's Supper. If you've been admitted to the Lord's Supper by the session who has determined that you have saving faith, therefore we've admitted you to the Lord's Supper. You see that every, you know, every other week, practically, that you're in the new covenant. <clears throat> and so righteous is a covenant thing. And so we as, as covenant people to be righteous or faithful to the covenant are people who are tied to the law. We're set apart in our character by the law and in fact, the law is, what's the third word he uses here? It's, it's what for us? It's good for us. Yeah. And so Paul's in this discussion in, in Romans 7 saying, apart from God's spirit, the law just frustrated me like all get out. And the good that I wanted to do, I couldn't do because of the sin that was within me. When it was my, me and my sin nature and the law, total defeat absolute frustration but in Romans what he develops from chapter 5 through chapter 8 is that the law plus the spirit means righteousness or covenant keeping faithful to the covenant us being set apart in our actions set apart unto the character of Jesus and it's and it's good for us um Okay, we'll, we'll look at more verses about how the law is good for our sanctification. So, law and justification, bad. Law and sanctification, good. Law and sanctification, good. Law and justification, bad. And so this is why, just quick little thing there. First uh, John 1, um, First Timothy 1, sorry. Um, uh, Paul says that these unbelievers in the church that want to be church leaders... Um, as he writes to Timothy, they know that they don't know how to, they misuse the law, is what he says about them. Uh, because the natural man without God's spirit takes the law and tries to obey it and then claims that he is. <laughs> and Paul says, and John says, uh-uh, that, that doesn't work that way. Okay, but the law is good for us as believers. Uh, it makes us... It is holy, righteous, and good, and it makes us holy, set apart, righteous, covenant keepers, faithful to the covenant, and good. Okay, let's pray.